Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you, my friend? How are you, my friend? Welcome. This is the Breakfast with Champions podcast, one of the most unique, amazing, and powerful podcasts you'll ever come across in your entire life. Listen, we bring you motivation, education, and inspiration, and ultimately give you an opportunity to get a seat at the table, to hang out with some of those that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. What makes this podcast so unique and incredible is we have over a hundred different thought leaders that are constantly delivering amazing, over-the-top, powerful, and impactful content in bite-sized nuggets that you can absorb, take action on, and implement in your life. So with that said, make sure you filter through. There's going to be some of these thought leaders, these experts in their industries that you're ultimately gonna connect with. You're gonna totally, totally resonate. It's gonna totally be your vibe. And then there's gonna be other ones that you're gonna be like, eh, you know what? I like them, but I don't know if I love them. And that's what's great about Breakfast with Champions is we have something for everyone. So make sure you sift through, find the ones that you love, and know that they'll be coming back every single week to be able to deliver to you the motivation and education and inspiration that you need. With that said, my name is Glenn Lundy. I am your host. Super excited to connect with you. And let's kick off today's episode of Breakfast with Champions. All right, so let me tell you about my my guests that I'm going to interview. Glenn, can you stay on for just a couple minutes here? Yes, sir. I, I think you're just going to you're going to love his spirit. So Rob Lacasio, I just brought him up. Did I do it correctly, Glenn? Is Rob Lacasio up on the stage? I don't believe I see him, but I will help track him down. So Rob Lacasio. Rob. There he is. I see him. C-A-S-C-I-O. All right, I just sent him an invite to come on up here and speak. Okay, so so this is a, a interesting story, Glenn. This reminds me, Jamie Foxx was talking about when somebody told him about this guy named Ed Sheeran. Okay, you you know Ed Sheeran, the singer. He's a good singer. Yeah, and totally. so 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 Jamie Foxx went to go see Ed Sheeran, and he said he he watched him and was literally blown away. Because people don't realize Ed Sheeran can do a lot of old school like Motown. And and this particular night, he was in a predominantly African-American club and he was doing all kinds of Motown and doing Stevie Wonder. And Jamie Foxx got so blown away that he literally moved Ed Sheeran into his house for a period of time before he was Ed Sheeran. Okay, so in Glenn, in our lives, a lot of times. Uh, we meet people that we know are just going to be that person, whether it be a, a female or a male. We just know they're that person. But sometimes somebody sneaks up on you and you go like, wow. I mean, that's that's like a whole other level. Has has that ever happened to you? Absolutely, man. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah, it can, have, it can happen a lot. Well, this would happen with my friend Rob Ocasio is that we were just dialoguing. But the more I begin to talk with him, I thought, man, the way he he thinks, and he was talking a lot about how the the future is bright. So let me just give you a little background on Rob Lacasio. So I'm reading something. 
It says he's a founder and CEO of Live Person, okay? One of the largest running tech CEOs in the world, over 25 years, it's a long time. Built a billion dollar business from the ground up. That's that's good, right, Glenn? Yeah, we'll take that. Ba 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 billion, billion, billion. billion. <laughs> Named to Fast Company's list of the world's most innovative companies. And but he does so many amazing things. He has a, a podcast um, that's about over the wall that we'll talk about. But he also is really big into what we're into, and that is helping in the nonprofit. Like for instance, in just in New York City, um, they they donate over eighty five thousand dinners to people, and so uh, just a, a wonderful guy does a lot with Bloomberg Business, CSNBC, Fox Business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, and so Glenn, today I'm going to talk to him about is the future really bright? Is the future really bright? So, Rob Ocasio, good good morning from America, and you are deeper in your day because you're in Europe. How you doing, Rob? How you doing, Tim? How you, good. How you doing, Tim? How you doing, Glenn? Thanks for having me on the, uh, the show here. Yeah, thanks so, for Rob, being here, Rob. We appreciate you. So, Rob, you are currently in what country? I'm in the south of France, so I'm uh, I'm down in yeah, so I'm in a, a place called Ez. I'm uh, overlooking the ocean right now. So yeah, I've been working out of here for the last couple of weeks. Every every summer for the last ten years, I I take a month and work out of uh, Europe. Kind of lets me uh, get re-energized as an entrepreneur. So I, I love it. So company. I've been following you on Instagram. Your Instagram stories and your posts, and I'm watching all these amazing restaurants you're going to, and then I saw you walking through a wine cellar uh, earlier, but um, it seems like you guys eat really late when you're in Europe, about roughly about what time do you guys eat? Dinner. Well, because because my calls, I end my calls because I'm, I'm working, so I'm ending around 10, 10, 10.30, and then uh, my wife and I would go out to dinner around 10, 10.30. Yeah, so it gets... But here it works, so it's kind of like normal, so not a problem. And the restaurants are open. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. People eat late here, especially during the summertime. Uh, that, that was a wine, here. and that and that was a wine vault. That with that picture I posted was of the most finest wine. It's called Chateau de Cameron. I was a kid from Babylon, Long Island, so I never had exposure to fine anything on that level. And, but I learned over the years, like uh, just by meeting people. And this this wine was the favorite wine of Thomas Jefferson. It's a, it's actually a it's like a dessert wine, a very sweet wine. And they had this. If you look at my Instagram post, they had a, it must. Have, I was counting it. It probably was like five million dollars worth of bottles of this wine, dating back to the oldest one was like 1876. So I was like, that was the first time I ever seen like liquid gold in a, in a uh, in one place. So like literally. Yeah, I was like, I was tempted to break the glass and get out, try to grab a bottle. Exactly, that was your inner city side. All right, so Rob Ocasio is known as a disruptor, visionary, entrepreneur, and he is truly a founder. And so this is going to be just trust me on this. I I got a chance to interview him for Facebook, uh, 
where Facebook uh, pays certain people to do interviews with people, I submitted 20 different people and they only chose six uh, that they wanted me to interview and Rob was one of the six. And a lot of it is because of how he sees life and what he's doing. And so, Rob, I want to talk to you about this idea called the future is bright. Uh, the word future, as all of us know, means upcoming, something that is yet to come, something that is ensuing. The word bright means shining, beaming, or light. The opposite of bright is dark, dull, and not promising. Rob Lacasio, in the area of life, business, dreams, goals, do you still see the future as being promising? Yeah, you know, I've, I've been, I've had this very unique position because I started my company in 95. And so I went through, I went public in 2000. I was one of the last internet IPOs and then the market crashed. And then I experienced, I was in New York, I experienced 9-11. Um, that was, that was, you know, very, very tough. And then the financial crisis and now the pandemic. And, you know, today we have a, close to 1,500 employees globally and, and there's a lot more, you know, um, there's a lot more to do than when we were, you know, we were 140 people back when the when we went through the when we went through the dot com and 9/11. But but I learned something going through those experiences. They're not punishments. They're not yeah. like some thing from God because we didn't protect the environment. You understand? They aren't something what, – what I wrote on my wall when the pandemic hit, I put the sign up so when I was doing my videos with my team, they could see it. And with the people in the company, it said, what is the virus asking us to change? What is the virus asking us to change? And so when something like this happens, it's, I've, it's, it's sort of uh, – it is the hand of God. It is an act of God. It's it's nature. Viruses, we by the way, as we all know, viruses existed for millions of years. I mean, this is not new. Um, but but this is this is upon us because we're asked to change and we're asked to move faster in our change than how I believe we were acting. So what makes the future so bright is that. There's something extraordinary on the other side of this there. And, I, and you can see it. You can see some of the conversations that are happening. And, but, but this, this is this, I always look at these, I look at the, like every time I've been at the bottom of the road, every time I've been at a place of, you know, great challenge, staring into the abyss, I say, now I've learned that, man, this is a place of learning. This is a place for me to be, to, to be better. And so I think we have such an opportunity to change and be better. And, and, and this is what this macro event, this thing outside of our control is, is doing to us. I, I like what you're saying by, by that, by becoming better. So it's, it's, it's truly a choice. So Rob, I've described you on other interviews as a pioneer. So I wanna break down that word. That's somebody that is a explorer, a person who ventures into new areas. Um, you created and invented something um, that really changed the face of how things are done. And tell us exactly what that was that you created. 
Yeah, so I, I, in 1997, invented uh, web chat. So if you've ever chatted on a website for customer care or anything, I invented this technology. Uh, it didn't exist previous to that. I filed patents back then, and then off of that, uh, you know, took the company public. And then about five years ago, made a pretty hard pivot into AI and what we call conversational AI. And I have a fundamental belief that, you know, uh, machines and conversations with machines are going to power a better life. And so we made a big bet. And today we have about 20,000 businesses that use our platforms, including like the T-Mobiles of the world and American Expresses and some of the biggest brands. And uh, and so we're powering what we call this thing called conversational commerce. But yeah, I, I was the inventor of web chat, if anyone's ever uh, used that, which now billions of people, you know, have, have obviously touched it. Okay. So in a minute, we're going to get into some of the thoughts about AI. And I've asked you in a previous interview, is like AI our ally, or is it something that we should be concerned about? Because I had talked to you earlier in dialoguing with some of my friends who knew I was going to interview you, that I find that a lot of people that are like in their uh, mid to late 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, get a little concerned about all this technology that's trying to take us into the future, okay? But the first question I wanna, I wanna ask you is that um, as a person who, who chooses to step out and be a person who believes in change and growth, uh, give, me, give me two reasons why you're optimistic about where we're going uh, as people. Because you, you travel the world like I do but the more you see people, little kids, families, you see the resilience. Give me two reasons why you're optimistic about the future. Well, you know, I, I, I have a technology optimism. And so I, maybe I'll start from there because that's where I, I, I come from in many ways. So first, the if you haven't followed blockchain technologies and obviously the, the part of that is crypto, um, there's there's an organizational structure that these companies have created called a DAO, and and if you dig into a DAO, it's called a, you know distributed autonomous organization. It's about it's about a different way to work. So this is one of the things that's happening through the pandemic. There's a lot of questions about how we want to work, and and they you know they call it the great resignations going on right now. People are resigning and coming and going and and you know they don't. People don't want to commute anymore, and we see this. But so, as a leader, as a CEO of the company, I'm like, well, what kind of structure works will work for people in the future? And so I, so there is this structure that's out there that is powering these future companies, these present future companies. And by the way, that technology is is going to replace a lot of the technology that we're involved with today in the internet. And so. But they've created a way in which people don't have to get payroll. They don't get, you know, a top-down management style. They're part of a community, but they have sovereignty. And so I, I really see this. there's this balance right now between, you know, be an owner and own your life and help others. Be a part of a community. And what you're seeing in that technology stack is, is a platform, a foundation for us to move forward in how we, how we work. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. 
then you layer AI and the things I'm working on in other companies. And, and this te these technologies are really about getting giving us time back, letting us have more understanding of, of our lives through data, making things that are complex, like, like our bodies. Like our bodies throw off a lot of data. We get a blood test and a DNA test, but we, and we rely on a doctor who may or may not know what the hell they're talking about. But how do we, how do we get more ownership over our bodies? How do we get ownership over our finances? And that, that's about that sovereignty, that ownership. So I, there's these two technology revolutions that are going on that are definitely going to take us through. And, and there's this mentality of people coming through the pandemic. So, that, so that's one part. The other thing is I just think there, there's such a focus on community right now because we were, we were put – the animals were put back in the cages. Okay, that's, that's what happened during the pandemic. The animals were put back into the cages at the zoo, and we were isolated. And that isolation gave us a point of view about community. And a lot of the conversations that were happening last year about, you know, whether it's Black Lives Matter, the Asian community or whatever, it was about there are communities out there that have been truly suffering that we've been ignoring. And, and, and because we were isolated, these communities started to look even more, let's say, um, important to focus on. You know, there was more a light shined on it. And I don't think we're going backwards. So, so I have a lot of hope around a, there's a greater sense of community going on, and then there's a shift to platforms that will support us to live a different life than we're leading today, which is the life – most of the lives we're leading today is like 1950s plus the internet. They're like 1950s work structures plus the internet, and that, that's just not working for us. That's well said. I never heard it like that, but that is, that is well said. So, Rob, this idea of sometimes – life will close a door to open up the door. And I, I see that with, with change and transition that a lot of people try to reject it because they, they have this fear. Uh, they don't want to take the energy to change. But the more I get around you, I, I think that sometimes truly change is inevitable. And you have to just educate yourself and realize the, the change is not only inevitable, it's essential. And so tell us why you're excited about some of these changes that are taking place, even though it may be a little bit scary to some people. Look, if I take it down on a personal level, um, what is change? You know, change is a, there's an, there's an expectation we have of our lives and we wake up in the morning with this expectation and then something happens. We get a phone call, you know, somebody reaches out to us and tells us something. And it was very unexpected. It could be, I'm breaking up with you. It could be, I don't want to work here anymore. It could be, I don't like, whatever that is, we didn't expect it. So what happens then is our brain goes into action. And the first thing we do is our reptile brain kicks in. You know, it's, it's, there's an actual part of the brain, you know, that most of you probably know about that. It's just, it's just basically fight or flight. It's about protecting our, our bodies from sudden death. And, and if you know, if you, if you ever know that, you'll know the feeling when you start to then, when change occurs, you start to paint a future for yourself. And usually the first thing you do is paint a very bleak future. Okay, uh, this person broke up with me. I'm never going to get married. I'm going to end up homeless. I'm going to end up dead. You know, it always goes to like, uh, I'm gonna. I want to leave this job that I hate, but if I do yeah. that, I'm gonna end up homeless, broke, 
da da da, and, I'm, and then you paint. I'm never gonna have it, and it goes in this place. It's like, oh my god, it's just leaving a job. It's not like we're on the Serengeti and somebody threw you out of the tribe, you know, two hundred thousand years ago, and you're really on your own and you're fending yourself from a from a lion. This is yes. that. That's where that. By the way, that's where the reptile brain comes from. It comes from that point in our DNA. But Jack came forward has increased its sales by over 136%. My name is Travis Flaherty. We have seen over 55% increase in sales. So Jeremy Downing here. We finished our month off at not even a 20% increase, but a 30% increase. Hey guys, Jean Paul Gidry here. Now I've experienced massive increases of 156%, collectively 125%. My name is Kevin Strasnatter. We went an increase of 50%. 50%, we went from 50 units to 75 units. We got a 39% growth in volume. This stuff works! I'm Glenn Lundy, creator of the 800% Club. The results that we've been getting out of the 800% Club are ridiculous. Everything that you just heard all happened in the first 90 days. So I want to open this up, helping more dealers across the country. We're now enrolling for 800% Club members. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. We tend to, there's another way to look at it, and it's a very hard way to look at it, which is the door has now been opened because who's ever in your life, and it's mostly around who, it's a, it's a person, cannot grow with you. They don't, and I see, you know, I've been through many people building a company over 25 years, many leadership teams. And some people, they, it just happens. Like they know it. You may not know it, but they know it deep down. I'm not willing to grow, to grow with you, whatever your growth is. And you, the best thing you can do is just move, open the door and move forward and, and let the process play out. And not the reptile brain, but just let the process of life play out and live in live in that present moment. I love this. I'm talking to Rob Lacasio, founder and CEO of Live Person, one of the longest running tech uh, CEOs in the world over 25 years. Um, if you get a chance to get people in this room, if everybody invited two people, uh, this is about to heat up into such a beautiful conversation. I've been looking forward to this for about three weeks. Uh, Rob, this this whole idea about the future, this upcoming, things to come, ensuing, I said that you say that the future is bright. Uh, you know, it, 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 it has more than potential. And, you know, as I get out and about and I see little kids, little kids are still believing. They're still believing that things are possible, okay? So when when you were uh, a, a younger person, let's say even 10, 11, 12, 13, I've asked you this before, but a lot of this audience has not heard this, were you thinking the future was bright or were you just trying to get through those years as a young person? Yeah, you know, I I've somehow... You know, like many entrepreneurs, I, I didn't fit in. I, I could never find my place when I was young. And um, so I had to rely on my own imagination to paint a future that was beyond where I lived, the school I went to. Um, you know, so I, I think for many, many people, you know, this is especially a child's, child's mind. It's this, this, this imagination, this miracle mentality, as, as, you, as you frame it. 
you know, we they'll live in an, in a different world. And, and so for me, it just, it gave me, um, you know, solace that I, that there was a world that I was building in my head about the life I wanted to lead. And it wasn't the life I have today. I can't envision everything that, I, that I've done today, but it was a life that was exciting. It was a life that was filled of like doing the best things and, the, and, the, and these really amazing things. I think I told you I, my first business I started when I was, when I was really young, like a teenager was washing cars and yes. we used to wash these, we would wash these sports cars, uh, you know, these expensive cars of these people because I, I, we, my friend and I really liked sports cars. We couldn't, obviously my parents couldn't, didn't have one. So, so we got to wash a Porsche and we drive it down the road and, and, um, I remember one day thinking, man, one day I'm going to wash the president of the United States' car. Like, I had this in my head that this would, be, like the ult- this would be the ultimate car. I was like, who's got the ultimate car to wash? Like that big limousine. I'm wash <laughs> that car one day. <laughs> and that's, that's, so somehow it, it just, this is the way I was created, that I just, you know, had this imagination for, for, some, for how, you know, I want to live life. Yeah, you've heard me say before, you know, we've been born in original, don't die a copy. And this originality side of things, I get a chance to interview people uh, about this. So I was talking to Quincy Jones about uh, people that are original. And he said, Tim, obviously we're all original, but most people do not cooperate with the originality. And I thought that that was so powerful. Because if you look at Quincy Jones' background, he worked with Frank Sinatra, who I know you really like. Uh, he, worked, he worked with Steven Spielberg in The Color Purple and various other projects. But he also worked on Thriller with Michael Jackson. He was willing to adjust and find his way. So as a person that you knew that you were different than other young people, how did you stick with being Rob Lacasio? who just was going to be different because it's so easy to try to just fit in and be a discount version of yourself. But I know that about you is that you remain yourself. So how were you able to do that and not just try to fit in? Well, I I had my, I had this, so I was raised a lot by my grandfather because my parents were working as a kid. And my grandfather, from the earliest memories I have, is he would always ask me, are you a follower? And he really instilled in me what that meant. And I remember even one time I was a follower. I was at school, and some kid wanted to do something to someone else, and I followed along. And I remember coming home, and my grandfather would ask me every day, are you a follower? I'd say, no, Grandpa, I'm not a follower. And, and so that day I remember lying to him. I even felt like I lied to my grandfather because I knew I was a follower. So somehow it was ingrained in me to, to, to not do that. Now, with that said, you know, like I went public when I was public, I was 33 years old. I was you know, going public at that age. Now I had a dream when I was a child, when I was about 14, 15 years old, I went to the library and picked a book out of the shelf. That's when there were books. And it was a book on going public, on being a public company. I read it from cover to cover. I said, I want to be that. Those are the best companies in the world. And I had that in my head and I was fortunate enough at a young age to take my company public. And, but I do remember right after I went public, there were all these expectations of me. And, and it, was, it ground me down for a while. I had to be like a different type of leader or CEO. I hired professional people and some would give me advice. You know, you're really young. You've never done this before. I've been around for 20 years and you know, you really, you really can't do it that way. 
you got to change. And I actually, I started to bend. I did bend. And, and I ended up in a place that I wasn't me for a short period of time, a couple of years, probably like five or six years. I just wasn't Rob Locasio. I was Robert Locasio. Interesting enough, my original email address was Robert, and now it's Rob. And that, that was, believe it or not, it's a big change. People don't call me oh, Rob. Oh, yeah. They, they call me Rob at work. And, and they, I, I made that happen because I felt like people were trying to make me too formal, and they were trying to make me the CEO. And then I just came to realize one day, like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to disappoint a lot of people in their expectation of what a CEO of a public company should be. I'm just, they're just going to be terribly disappointed by me. And that's kind of okay. I can live with their disappointment. I find that very powerful because I think that if you're going to truly step out and be yourself and be unique, because I think we're all called to something and our calling is specific and it's unique and it's original. It's only, there's only one, there's only one you. And in, in stepping out, as, as Rob is saying, that you are going to disappoint some people. And so did you get that culturally? Were you okay to disappoint people or was that mental or what, what, how, how did you get that, that kind of strength to say, okay, I might be disappointing maybe even one of my relatives or a friend who wants me to be something else, but I'm going to do it anyway. Look, it's about it's about happiness in the end, and and you can't you can't um, engineer happiness. Ha happiness is just like an output to living your purpose, and then once you live your purpose, you're living you. And you know, I, I learned that about the about the age of forty. I went to an ashram in in India, just so happened to find my way there. It was it was a, a what called a, 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 an accident that was per that was. That was de I was destined to have that accident, and it, but when I was there, I learned about internally. God gave us um, our purpose, and this thing we call gut, this thing we say, my gut, which is that voice, that internal voice, is is the ultimate, ultimate uh, voice for you to follow. There's only one voice I follow, and that is the voice that was given to me by God to help me live my purpose. And if I go outside that, I'm not happy. And a lot of times when I end up outside of that, it's because someone wants me to be something that I don't want to be. And sometimes even today, people show up in my company who I'll hire and stuff, and they want me to be the thing they wish I could be. But I am who I am, and I'm following my purpose. And that ultimately will allow me to get to my goals and, and, and keep my happiness. And, and that's what's most important for all of us. A lot of people, we go to work, live our lives, and we know we're unhappy, but it's because we're not living our purpose. It's not because uh, you can't, I, I you can't manufacture happiness. You don't manufacture happiness unless you take drugs. You know, you can self-medicate happiness. You can do things to distract yourself from your, from your lack of living your purpose, but that's going to have, you know, that's, there's, there's consequences to that. So you got to understand that with, with Rob Lacasio, um, he built a billion dollar business from the ground up. So I, I have these notes that I have a couple of questions here is that, you know, all of us are dreamers. So everybody that's, that's listening right now, we, we have, we have a dream, but what is it like to be a person that some of your dreams actually became a reality? And I, I'm going to, before you answer the question, I'm going to 
tell you about this conversation I had. So there, there was a time in life where Steve Perry from Journey, you know, the group Journey, Don't Stop Believing? Yeah, yeah of course. That, that, that he used to travel around with me. <laughs> and I remember one time, of all places, I was speaking in Puyallup, Washington. And I said, Steve, this one's not going to be that exciting. You know, I'm not going to <laughs> Chicago or New York. I'm going to Puyallup. And they, but they do have a nice fair there. But it was a big event, like 3,000 people, and Steve Perry from Journey wanted to come. And one night we were up late at night uh, talking in a hotel. I said, Steve, like, did you ever think it would be like this? Because, you know, we walked in this building and people were going like, this is weird. Is that Steve Perry from Journey? What's he doing in Puyallup just walking with a motivational speaker? It was it was tripping people out. And he, he said something interesting. He goes, you know, Tim, I never feel like I'm there whatever they're supposed to be. He goes, yeah, I'm having some great moments, but I don't ever feel like I'm there. So this idea of the dream and then people looking at you, seeing you on TV and magazines, uh, known and truly as one of the most creative minds in the world. Do you ever feel like you're there? Like the dream has become a reality or do you just feel like I'm on my way somewhere? I don't think you, you ever feel complete you know, I have, I guess, I, it's funny, I have some of my oldest friends, they, they've heard me say this saying like, oh, in three years from now, I'm going to be at a certain place. Like I can always say three years from now, I'm going to reach my dream. Three years from, and then I get to where I'm supposed to go. And then something else pops up. And I had one friend who after about 10 years of this was like, you know, you say this every three years and you never stop. Like you keep going, it gets, keeps going. So I think you're given parts of your dream and you may not get all of it in one shot. Like I think also, however it all works, the mechanics of it. So I think, look, when I started the company, I was on a couch, sleeping on a couch because I lost my first company. I was 27 years old. I was totally broke. I didn't have enough money for apartment, so I slept on a couch of a small office. I didn't even have a shower. I had a shower at a health club. Then I take the company public. It was about a $300 million company when it went out. It went down to $2 million in, in value within 12 months during the dot-com. And today it's four and a half billion in, in market cap. But so you could say like, wow, you had this dream and you want to be, and, and I, it's even here today, it's not about the money or the market cap or the value. It's about, I've got something in my head that I want to see through and it gets clearer every day. So it's not about these things like the, the money or the, like I never had money. And yet today I'm, I'm fortunate, but it, it's, it doesn't change anything. It's just, I, I have a purpose. I want to fulfill that purpose. And it's given to me sometimes in pieces. You know, it's not always like the end destination because I know because I've reached what I thought was the end destination. And then a little bit before that, something appeared again. So you know, that's the way so, life is. So powerful because I like what you just said that, that it, it comes in pieces. And Rob, I get to know a lot of different types of people. And I think that some people get to a certain place of, of getting a certain degree of, of wealth. And then they feel like that's the time where they need to get, you know, exotic cars and have this exotic life and, and just kind of stay almost in a state of play, P-L-A-Y. But by being around you a lot and sometimes talking even, you know, several times a week, you are the type that are pull, you're constantly pulling up 
your sleeves, and for some reason wanting to get in the in the mix, why do you still want to pull up your sleeves and get in the mix when you could have retired a long time ago? Because I don't know what I don't I never there is no such thing as retirement. Like I never yeah. I don't know like like um, I mean I'm talking about retirement from life. Yes. You, you may retire from something you're doing in work or something, but I'm saying like this concept that like we have to keep learning as as people. The the there was a guy who I, I, I don't know his name, but he was I was I was at a conference this many years ago and there's a CEO of a very large company and, and he wasn't the founder, but he had run the company for about ten or fifteen years and he, he made it a, a giant corporation. And I once again I wish I remember who who it was, but it was it was it, it, but he, he was profound in his and he was retiring. And I remember him on stage and he said, there's two things I've learned. One thing is that when you go into a person's home, you should leave the home better than when you entered it. And so he said, when I took over, when I took over as CEO of this company, I can, I am proud here to say the home I'm leaving is a much nicer home. I made the beds, I cleaned the floors and I, I, I'm shutting the key, but I feel proud of that. The second thing he said is that he said, you know, I'll tell you what I'm going to do now. This is a very powerful person with a lot of knowledge and success. He goes, I'm going back to undergrad. I'm going back to undergrad. Can you believe this? I feel sad. And, it's, and I remember someone, what? I said, yes. Yeah, mo most people in my position, they're going to go teach, right? We're going to get a professorship. I mean, he could, this guy could teach in Harvard. He could teach anywhere. And he said, I'm going back to undergrad because I got so much to learn. Life is about learning. And I remember when I heard that story, I'm like, wow, like he's not sitting on his laurels like, hey, now it's time for me to teach the young people. He's like, I don't know a lot about anything. And I'm going to go back to undergrad. I'm going to learn some topics that I think I need to know. And I think that's obviously you. you you're constantly learning, growing. I love the fact that, Rob, you're into art, like in uh, one of your houses that I've been in. The, the your art collection, the fact that you like music, you 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 know about some of the hip DJs. I did not expect that from you, to be honest with you. I thought that, that was super cool. Uh, so Rob, for those that are coming on late, um, tell us what this company is, Live Person. What does Live Person do? And you have a lot of employees, and I think you have just like an all-star team that works. Uh, with and for you, you you have a real knack on how to bring a team together and assembly a team a team. But what what is Live Person and what are they doing for society? Yeah, so I, as I mentioned, we I invented web chat in 1997. So if you ever chatted on a website, I invented that technology and then uh, went public in 2000. So I'm I'm the second longest longest serving technology CEO. Uh, out there, the, the Nvidia CEO was one year ahead of me, and when Jeff Bezos stepped down, he was the, he was ahead of me. So, I've I've, I've been the longest serving. Um, I what I did is I made a, a pretty big pivot into what we call conversational AI. So we're one of the leading providers of you know it's it's called bot systems. There's bots, and you and so we work with twenty thousand companies around the world from the T-Mobiles to Citibanks to American Expresses. And if you've ever, or Delta Airlines, if you've ever interacted and messaged with them and you communicated and chatted with them, uh, that's my company's uh, technology. So we're about a $4.5 billion company today. Um, and, uh, you know, 
continue to uh, to expand around this vast, exciting world of AI. So when you step into those types of um, projects and things that you feel like life has called you to step into, I see that there's a lot of gratification with other men and women that I work with that, that play at a certain level, but there's also a lot of a lot of a lot of pressure. Okay. And so I, at one time I used to speak a message to companies about the pain, the price, the privilege. Is 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 the price worth it most of the time to be Rob Lacasio and have to lead the people that you're leading? Is the price usually worth it? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I kind of turn it around a little bit and it's like, is the education worth it? Yes. The pain and the price are to me an it's an like when the pain and the price happen, I say, is this education worth it? Like, is it worth being educated on this? Now the problem is most of the time the problems I'm dealing with are people problems. I'm dealing with, you know, people I work with that either wanna, you know, take the journey or don't, um, either align to the vision or not. And so there, there's a pain in that because it's a lot of, you know, we're, I'm in a human business. I don't manufacture widgets where we have, we have engineering talent. We have people that are delivering our, our services. We're, we're a technology company. So we have to find the best people in the world. They're our product. And then they're producing something for the world to, you know, want. And it's, it's you know, it, it's just an education. Like, and I, I try, you know, I, I think what makes me unique is that I've been around for so long and, and, and ever, even as a public company CEO, the average tenure is five years and, and I've gone so long. So there are tools I've had to develop over the years to not hurt myself and um, live as much as I can in a place of abundance versus scarcity. And these are choices. You know, we have choices where we live mentally uh, nobody can change us. You know, no, nobody can impact us through the pain. They don't decide whether we're going to live in a place of scarcity or abundance. You choose that. We choose that. I, I love that. So you brought up two words, scarcity and abundance, that I'd love to study. So, Rob, this idea of me, I, I've, I work with a lot of college students and speak at a lot of universities. I, I find that a lot of young people they want to be successful uh, obviously but they want to make a lot a lot of a lot of money that they, they always talk about the money side the money side if i go speak at these big conferences um it's amazing how many young people male and female want to talk to me about money 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 um obviously you've made um, a lot of money but money to you what does it do for you it gives you it gives you leverage. It gives you what? 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 What is making a lot of money do for an individual? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, it's a hard thing to quantify. I mean, I started out slip, sleeping on a couch, and also, my family situation when I was a kid was very volatile on the money side. Yeah, we were kind of, we were, we kind of up and down. So I. I came, I came from a place that um, I could see the, the stress of not having money. Um, so I, I, I don't really, I don't, I don't really know what it does. I, I just think you got to make sure it doesn't do anything harmful to you. And, and that's why 
the one of the most important things is you you've got to give you've got to give you know back and and i think the way to stay centered is even when i didn't have money i i volunteered my time to help others who were less fortunate um even when i was sleeping on a couch and i was broke i i would go to a homeless shelter and help people that were on the street so there's always somebody worse off than you so I guess I, I don't think money does anything. I, I think anyone who tries to engineer making money, uh, and there are professions in which you can just make, you're working on making money out of money. I, I just don't think they're noble. And I'm, I'm a creator and God put us on earth to create things. And I just don't, I think if you get too focused on creating money out of money, um, you know, that, that's going to create a lot of stress for you. Man, I I, I, I love this way of thinking. Rob, I love it. You know, Doug, for me, one of the things that money has done for me is it's helped me to finance some of my opportunities that I got to help more people. So yeah. I started doing a lot of humanitarian work, but I was making a lot of money as a speaker doing conferences. It was kind of cool because I didn't have to go to my friends that did well and say, hey, can you help me? I'm going to Nigeria to help these kids. I had I had the money to finance my own opportunities, and um, that's that's one thing that, that I have enjoyed with having uh, surplus. Uh, it's helped. All right, so you have a podcast called Over the Wall, and you've had great guests. I think one of my favorite was your buddy Ed Edward Norton, who's a, a Academy Award nominated actor. But you've had Lisa Billiews, also a friend, Deepak Chopra, yeah. amazing, and guest after guest after guest. Why would a guy like you who's so busy do a podcast and what is Over the Wall about? Well, you know, it goes back to my purpose. Many years ago, I, I, I kind of was trying to figure out what my purpose is in life. And it spoke to me, you know, and, and I've been on that journey ever since, which is, you know, I, I want to inspire people to take the entrepreneurial journey. And and I know how hard it is. Like, I've, I've done every job from, you know, starting the company on the couch. And, you know, I've, I've had to do everything to get here. And I just know how hard it is, how it's a lonely road many times. Um, and what I felt, you know, my purpose was, was to um, inspire people to take this journey and to realize that this journey is not the journey that we read about that this journey is not about rags to riches, that this journey is not the Mark Zuckerberg journey, where in a couple of years you're running the biggest company in the world. That, that happens. There's a few people who win the lottery. The lottery does happen. But the majority of people are like myself. Like, I'm fairly unknown. A lot of people on earth have used my product, like have chatted. But I'm an unknown person in the world. I'm not a celebrity. I'm a celebrity CEO. Although I run a multi-billion-dollar company, it's okay. Like I'm a journeyman. I'm just building a company because I believe this is my purpose, and I want to inspire others. So I created Over the Wall to have conversations with people in the world, like yourself, like others, to really talk the truth. Because there's too much, there's too much motivational speaking about the journey of being an entrepreneur by people who have not taken the real journey. And, and I wanted to just bring, you know, a, a real conversation about how hard it is, how there's this wall that we have to climb every couple of years, how it's a mental game. That's a very hard mental game. And, and I want 
entrepreneurs to not feel alone. I want them to hear the story so they go, you know, yeah, I'm going through that. I'm going through that same thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not weird. It's just not me. I'm not effed up. My situation is not effed up. Rob had the same situation or, or you know, Tim had the same situation or Ed, Ed Norton had the same, whatever it is. This is this is what I'm trying to bring together with the podcast. I I, I love it. It's the 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 realities that we face. I mean, there, there's 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 some days I wake up and I look at my, what my schedule is supposed to be, and for about two minutes I get overwhelmed. <laughs> but then I got to say, okay, Tim, you don't have a Superman cape, but how are you going to get in the right mindset and the right mood set? To, to more than handle this, but actually enjoy it. And Rob, I think that a lot of people don't realize that, that in the midst of um, success and a lot of good things that happen, um, there, there's times where we feel undone, even though we have to do things. Yeah. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's never, uh, I'm, it's just, every time I'm in that sort of, we call homeostasis, where everything seems really balanced and great and, it's like uh, just like an hour later, something happens to say, move your ass forward. That's what all this is about. It's like it's the hand of God saying, like, get your ass going. This is not unstable yet. This is not steady state. You don't get the coast. Like, OK, I'll give you a couple hours, a couple of days, maybe a couple of months. But like, move it forward. Like, get going. You know. some people to ask some questions but the way i'm going to do it today just because um this is such a fluid conversation i'm going to i'm going to read one of them and i feel like a lot of people think that to do a startup is like a sexy thing <laughs> okay because i i hear this all the time where uh young women young men will talk to me about a startup as though it's like a sexy thing um what what is a startup to you and is it as sexy as these people think it's going to be? Uh, I mean, the first five years just sucks. I mean, I can tell you this. Like, the first five years, you're susceptible to a lot of things happening. And, and unfortunately, a lot of small things happening. Like, today at our size, small things don't hurt us. They're, they're big things can hurt us. Competitive things or, you know, big motions in the market. But... Not small things like there were times where I didn't, you know, I just couldn't make payroll. You know, there was a time my car was towed because I didn't pay the tickets on it and they towed my car because, and I couldn't get it out. I had to borrow some money from my cousin. So, like, wow. And there's like, like you may have two employees. Like, I had one employee at one time, one person worked, and then he walked out. And then I had someone else who did something else. And, and those first five years are just hand to hand combat. And then usually after the fifth year, you know, usually you start to pick up enough business to get to the next level, but, but startup is, it's super unglamorous. And then people also just want to raise money from the first day, which is dangerous. Like people just want to raise like venture capital. It was no venture capital. When I started um, my first company, when I started this one in about 99 venture capital was, was out there for the internet companies, but, but now it's venture capital everywhere. There's a lot of money everywhere. So everyone's like, I got an idea. I'm going to get funded. I'm going to be rich. And it's it just doesn't always turn out that way, you know. First five years just are hard. So you guys got to keep watching over the wall his podcast because 
Uh, I know him closely and to see his schedule that he's willing to do this, which is really a give back project. Um, he's also willing to do more podcasts. So some of my podcaster buddies, if you want to possibly have Rob on your podcast, I want you to DM me and I will connect you to his people. And then Rob Lacasio spelled L-O-C-A-S-C-I-O. Um, you can look him up on Instagram and you can follow him and see what he's doing. Um, Rob, your company has been growing at an amazing rate in the midst of a pandemic. Um, roughly about what percentage has it been growing? Can you tell us a little bit that, about that? Yes, yeah, so we grew 38% Q1 and 30% Q2, so around 30% is, is what we're growing right now. So off about a half a billion in revenues right now, run rate. Okay, so when you have this kind of momentum, okay, when that momentum is flowing, uh, as a leader, are you then saying, okay, I got momentum, and so I have faith for mo more momentum? Or are you now getting nervous saying, don't, don't lose the momentum? <laughs> I mean, you're always in that place of don't lose the momentum. Um, because you know, as you grow it, especially at that that rate off of that size of revenues, is that uh, you're you're like it gets harder to grow. You know, to, to grow at the level we're growing, uh, thirty percent is we have to add, let's say, one hundred fifty million dollars more of revenue, you know, next year to to grow at a thirty percent rate. So you have to find one hundred fifty million dollars worth of revenue, which is not insignificant in the world. So it's it gets harder. Uh, to grow, you have, you know, I always have to learn. I'm, I'm definitely always learning. And, and even now I feel like we're in a place where there's so much going on in the business, so many interesting things where I'm, I'm actually just also looking at myself and saying, okay, what do I have to do differently? What do I have to do differently to build the business I want to build? And so it just requires a lot more attention to your skills and what you need to change. And then it also requires a different team. Sometimes you just need new people to come in or the people you have have to also push themselves to go up if you wanna grow at those rates. So it, it, it's, it's not easy, but, uh, but we have the will to do it. You know, we, 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 we have a vision to, to get there. I love it. Okay, amazing. We have three minutes left. I mean, how fluid is this conversation? All right, so I've been talking to Rob Lacasio, disruptor, visionary, entrepreneur, founder, truly one of my favorite people on the planet. And when I say that, I, I mean it with all my heart. One of the longest-running tech CEOs in the world, built a billion-dollar business from the ground up. Uh, he's, he's way ahead of his time. Once in a while, you meet people like this. So keep following him over the wall. And um, I want to thank Glenn Lundy for creating this platform, Breakfast with Champions, and allowing me on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. Pacific time to share and, and interview people that I think are making a change and have a miracle mentality. Rob, in the last two minutes, just anything on your mind you'd like to say to people who want to learn, grow, get better, move forward? Yeah, I guess I'll I'll uh, I'll say I'll leave you with this um, kind of a story, but um, I have to say never hit with a hitter. And the only reason I'm thinking of this is someone was asking me about this uh, yesterday, which is um, 
always play your game. I, I, I had this interesting thing when I was in high school. I played tennis and I played doubles. I was, was not a good skilled tennis player, but it, I could play doubles. And we just so happened to be in the finals and we were up against the best doubles team in the league and they could easily beat us on skill. And they did. The first set, they won 7-0. And my coach came out, Coach Walter Lace, and he said, never hit with a hitter. I said, okay. He said, I want you to lob the ball. I don't want you to hit with it. I want you to really lob the ball. We used to practice lobbing. Now I know why. He'd say, I want you to lob. I said, oh, don't make us lob the ball. We're going to look, you know, not cool. And, you know, we'd say girly back then. And, you know, it was like, we're not cool. And I remember, I go, I don't want to hit with a hitter. I don't want to. Let me just hit the ball. No, hit lob. So I, we lobbed. I remember my, my partner and I, we lobbed. And we end up winning. And I have that trophy today. Because in the end, there's somebody out there. There's, a, there's two guys that lost that match and they don't have that trophy and they had the skill but they didn't play they didn't we didn't play their game so even if your game is ugly and you think you don't have the skill and whatever else you've gotten in your head to talk about why you're not good enough you can win just play the game that god put you on earth to play because when you play your game they got to follow you and you now create the rules you will create a new set of rules on how to live life how to run your business, how to build product. And then everyone's going to look one day and say, hell my God, that, that person, they, they did amazing things because you played your game. So all I can impart on you as you go out there is don't quit when you're at the bottom, when you're feeling the pain, it means you're going to learn. Quit somewhere where you're having a great day. When you're at the top of the game, quit. But don't ever quit. That's a learning moment and, and never hit with a hitter. Play your own game. Love that. That hey, is phenomenal. My goodness. Go ahead, Glenn. That was so good. I'm tweeting. Amazing. Amazing. Tim, I, I was just going to mention, because I think it's, I always find this so extraordinary. That... So, Rob, this is David Spisik, who is a great, great mind. You guys will get along well. Hey, David. Go ahead, David. How are you, Rob? What a pleasure. What hey, an David. Honor to, what an honor to meet you and listen to you, and thank you for sharing your story. Uh, this morning. I think it's extraordinary. You're, you are you're like a triple unicorn, uh, you know. <laughs> well, and I say that, you know, with with just massive respect because, you know, we've heard the term unicorn uh, almost ad nauseum seemingly in the last five years. And uh, it is the term when, when a company becomes a billion-dollar company and your company is a, a billion-dollar company four times over. And congratulations on that. But you're also a unicorn because you've stayed in the seat for 25 years. And most people that are founders have uh, one of two endings uh, within 10 years. Either they leave the seat or they're removed from the very company that they were running. Um, and so it just says an extraordinary amount uh, about you and about your belief in your company and your people and your mission. And then you're also a unicorn because I wanted to point out that so many times, you know, people will say, oh, my God, they, 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 it's a unicorn company. It's a billion dollar company. And, and what we've seen lately in technology, as you well know, Rob, is somebody comes up with a company like Clubhouse. And in less than a year, it's a unicorn. It was a billion dollar yes. company by January after Andreessen, Mark, uh, who used to actually be a, a client of mine, um, years and years ago when he was a, a youngster at the age in early 20s back in the Netscape days. But 
uh, it became a billion dollar company in less than a year. That's the normal trajectory. And, and so they think, man, what an overnight success story. And you are the unicorn of unicorns when it comes to an overnight success story, because you've, you've driven that, that company. And when I, you know, I looked up the, the market cap valuations over the last 20 years, and it became a billion dollar company in, in 2018. So, and clearly, uh, you see the market cap fluctuate up and down and up and down and up and down. And, and the company just obviously lit up on fire somewhere around 2017, 2018, and you've driven it to this extraordinary height. So, you know, I think you're just such an extra, such an incredible story because you are literally the unicorn of unicorns out there. And so I just want to say it's a, what a pleasure it is to meet you and to hear your story and, and to be able to learn more about you and uh, the journey that you took. So I just wanted to thank you. It's amazing. Uh, thank, thanks for having me here and, and the ability to share with all the listeners. And it's just important. You know, like I said, uh, I'm the, um, people don't know my story as much as Mark Zuckerberg and these other the guys who run Clubhouse. And, but most people are like me. We just do our work. We, you know, we just, we do it for, the, for a certain reason. We don't always get the glory, the public glory, but that's not why we're going to work. And, and most people, that's what they're doing. Most entrepreneurs are taking that journey and that they don't want much. They don't want that limelight or they don't get it. So I'm just happy that I could share my journey with uh, people here and hopefully inspires, you know, even if one person, Amazing. Goes, man, I'm, I'm okay with that. So thank you to Rob LaCosta. We Thanks. Gotta turn okay. the page. Rob, thank you so thank much. You. What amazing. Thank you for having me. Okay. And bye everybody. So so Glenn's got an amazing guest coming up right now. And but David Spisek, because we're we're like family, I want to put me, you, and Rob together for various reasons. Believe me, you're gonna love the conversation. I would look forward to it, Tim. And and as always, man, thank you so much for leading us through such an ex extraordinary conversation and for bringing Rob to us. And obviously, thank you, Glenn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.